Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I have been around cybersecurity for the last 20 years and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory for companies. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I've been intrigued to learn how a company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. We have Balaji here from MadStack to talk about his company and his motivation. Can you please tell us about yourself and your company? Yes, thanks very much, Ergeny. I'm, I'm very honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Balaji. I'm the co-founder and CEO of MedStack. We are a Canadian startup in the data security and privacy space for healthcare. We're eight years old. The inspiration for the company is this belief that healthcare is the next massive opportunity for tech. And so much of the challenge in healthcare comes from the fact that the biggest costs in this industry and the biggest challenges in this industry have to do with complex conditions where the relationship with the patient is very long. So that leads to an environment in which you have a lot of data, a lot of people involved in care, and a lot of entities that are involved in care as well. But the healthcare industry is very transactional by nature. So this is causing the development of lots of new technologies. Think of things like telemedicine and remote patient monitoring and AI for genomics and drug discovery, these other things. And we're in the space of wanting many more of those solutions to be built. So we're actually servicing the innovation ecosystem. But the other aspect of healthcare is this is the most sensitive data in the world. And it has some of the most stringent privacy and security regulations on the industry compared to really any other industry. And so when new technologies are acquired, they go through very heavy privacy and security reviews. We have technology that makes it easier for those creating these solutions to meet those requirements. And that's our exclusive focus. Thank you for the intro. You almost answered half of my questions, but we're still right. going to go deeper on some of them. So first of all, very happy to talk to a fellow Canadian. Mm -hmm. I really like when we have an industry in Canada, and I think we have a great industry in cyber that's slowly developing even more, Absolutely. and we will able to show how many different great companies we have here. You mentioned about the motivation is to protect what's very important and very dear to our heart and to our families as well. I want to pivot a bit and go deeper because this is the idea behind it. But I want to understand what happened eight years ago with you that you come to this conclusion, this is what you want to do. One of the things I find about security innovations is they often don't start from security. They start from a problem that the industry needs to solve, but doing security becomes a requirement for achieving that. So where the motivation for the company came from is I have a great fascination with platform technologies based on a lot of my background in different industries that I worked in, different companies I work in. What do I mean by platform? It's a very overused term. Technology you give to another company and they build something with it. And it's an accelerant for innovation, especially in very regulated, challenging, or extensive industries like healthcare being one of them. So I did platform technology strategy in a bunch of different industries. And my business partner was running a software development studio. And they were building healthcare technology. And he came to me and he said, do you know that for every single one of these things we built, we have to spend a lot of time on data security and privacy protocols. And by the way, it's the same thing every single time, but it's about 20% of the cost of capital and time and resources and risk for every project. And it seems like there's a platform opportunity there. So the thing that excited me was we could take platform philosophy and apply it to accelerating innovation in, I think, 
the industry that needs it the most. And of course, I have family members who work in healthcare. I've been a patient myself. I have my parents have been through the healthcare system recently. And so this really resonated with me. And the other thing that I think, as I dug into it, that really inspired me is when I talked to the founders of these companies who are creating digital health products, all of them are motivated by a personal story. And I thought, if there's anybody we can help make successful, this is what I'm actually after. And it happened to be that data security and privacy was the biggest problem that they had to solve. But yeah. that's how we came to it. Great. So you have an idea, you have a motivation. Now you need to understand if you're going to buy it. In a way, you almost, people told you they have a problem, but you still need to understand there's not only one person and not going to become a DevOps yeah. shop for one company. So what was the next step to understand and do research that people are going to buy whatever you're going to create? Yeah, and that's exactly the right way to think about it. And we realized it's a very complicated problem, as most sort of privacy and security regulated sort of innovations are, because you have what the regulation is, you have who it governs, and then you have how it applies to each project, and then the understanding of our customers within that. So we tried to really tease it apart to, to get to as simple a kind of definition as possible. And we said... Okay, if our objective as a company is to make you digital health founder or digital health inventor successful, what gets in your way? Tell me, walk me through your day. We spoke to a bunch of different founders. We had the benefit of both of us being mentors for some accelerators and incubators. And we also joined an accelerator and talked to some of our classmates there. And we just interviewed them. And they all said, the problem is we go to sell and the innovation officer at the hospital says, Evgeny, I love what you're building. I really want to use it, but I'm not allowed to until you make my head of privacy and security happy. And we do that by way of a security questionnaire, what we call a VSA, a vendor security assessment. So we targeted our company around making those passable. And so we collected a bunch of VSAs and essentially reverse engineered them to say, what are the most common questions? And we're not trying to go around the requirements or trying to simplify the requirements. We actually want to achieve a very high standard, but we want automated. And so we chose an architecture that aligned to the most common things people ask for when you narrow the scope to, it's a software app running in the cloud. What are the things people care about? And that's actually how we got to the initial product. And we started by building the first few implementations manually. We just went into the cloud and architected it ourselves for a specific customer and their specific customer. And we used that as a learning opportunity until we knew enough that we could start automating and pre-building parts of it. I'm guessing in this stage, you're basically bootstrapping. Did you later on went and raise money? Yeah, we probably the big sort of turning point for us was getting into an accelerator in the second year of our company in the US. We got into a digital health accelerator that had a lot of relationships with Penn Medicine and Blue Cross and things like that. We got a little bit of funding from it, but the biggest benefit there was actually getting access to some early customers, including one who's still our customer today. So that was actually a huge win. Before that, the first level of traction we had was actually picking up on projects from a partner's old company as a consulting arrangement. And then we made it an opportunity for MedStack. But we knew doing things like security and infrastructure and DevOps, there's not a lot of corners you can cut. We did it manually. We tried to get to customer value as fast as possible. So it was almost like a services play, although we were positioning it as a SaaS company. And only until we had a fair amount of traction in terms of paying customers, did we make the pivot we always expected we would make which was into a self-service automated software platform. And that was actually at our seed round, which was four years later. Interesting, interesting. So let's talk about you building the company and, and you, as you're riding, almost like building a car on the way you're running the car. 
but you still need people. You need development. You need people to do pre-sales. You need people that are going to do customer success. How do you decide what type of people to hire? And not just this, when you're thinking about your culture as a vendor, what's important to you? How do you want to be themed by your customers? That was really important. It was one of the first conversations that Simon and I had when we built this company is we're, we're going to be building an entity based on trust. So our customers may not understand all of what's required for compliance, but they're going to trust us to put them in a good position for those who are evaluating them. So trust is a big part of our culture. So how do we build that into who we hire and the types of practices we run? We knew we needed empowerment. We knew we needed transparency and we knew we needed collaboration and creativity. And, and that's actually who we saw it. It was not long before we realized we were doing something very much on the bleeding edge. This whole industry has always been characterized by asynchronous consulting, and we're trying to build a platform to pre-build it, which is very new. And so it would be disruptive in a bunch of different ways. So we really sought people who were excited by the technical space we're in, because we know that's a very small niche. DevOps and security and infrastructure is seen by a lot of people in the tech industry. It's just not that fun. It's just, you got to just do it. But there's some people who are really excited by it. And in particular, our tech lead staff engineer was our first hire, was somebody who really cared about this stuff. He was like a, a personal hacker. He's a self-taught developer. And he just became very highly rated on Stack Overflow. And he's constantly just thinking about this. And then our first business hire was actually a student who was building a digital health company. So he was our customer. And he heard about what we did. And he said, I'm running into that problem. So much so that I'm willing to put aside my project. And I'd like to come work for you guys. And he became our head of sales. And our, our yeah, first... head of sales. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know what? You're into that role. Yeah. Let's pivot to this part. I do ask about sales, but mm -hmm. it, since you mentioned this, let's, let's pivot there. So as a founder, you are the main salesperson. Yes. But then in one point, you hire a salespeople as well. So tell me about this story, how easy it was for you to sell. You're still quite a technical person. And how hard was to let go and let somebody else sell your baby? To be honest, it wasn't really that difficult because I found myself, even though he was very early in his career, I found myself learning a lot from him because he was a previous founder, which I wasn't. So he had an understanding of some of the mentality of our customers. And we collaborated a lot on the initial customers. And so we didn't even initially call his job sales. It was more like business development strategy more than anything else. So he'll build our pitch build our business model, build our pricing model. A lot of it was creation on the fly. And it was a very small company. There was just like four of us and he was part-time. So we were doing everything together. And it wasn't the classical story of I scaled and then transitioned over to somebody else. To be honest, we built it together. And my focus was, I'm not a salesperson at, at heart. I'm a product person. So I was really focusing on product proposition and product strategy and things like that and collaborated on the pricing model and things like that. And then we built a repeatable model that could allow him to hire. And he's now moved on amicably, but he positioned us well to hire his replacement and a number of other things as well. So yeah, it's very difficult product to sell. So we've really spent a lot of time writing out scripts and an education model that allows us to bring people into the company. Is there a secret to stay on top of the tasks? Because there's many tasks when you start the company, selling, product, marketing, yeah. The first secret is prioritization because you can't do everything. I think that the three things that we really focused on in the beginning that we still do today are making sure we're reviewing our priorities regularly and assuming they change on a weekly basis. So we talk about them that often, empowering people as much as possible. So 
this part of this was the fact that we built a remote first company from the beginning. So we wanted everybody to be empowered. We knew we couldn't just hire anybody for that. So it doesn't work for some people, but those we did hire each treat it like they're running their own business. And then they own part of the company and run it as a function. And everybody, now we're 22 people, and I would say that's true for everybody in the company. And the last is openly communicating and showing transparency between ourselves. There are some really important cultural norms we built in our company that I think are really key to our success. One example that I'm really proud of is every single Monday for the first day of a week, everybody in the company publishes a traffic light, which shows what are you worried about? What are you focused on this week? What do you want to celebrate? And we all read it. And I read every single one. In fact, record every single one. And when we hire somebody new, they read some of the history so they get to know what everybody cares about inside the company. And that's what actually keeps us on track and keeps us celebrating each other's victories and helping each other out as well. Interesting. If we talk about product and sales and marketing, when you talk to customers, sometimes customers say, oh my God, if you had this feature, I'll buy it. I had this feature, I'll buy it. What do you mean to dodge? I call it chicken and the egg. Do you tell the customers, yes, we have it and go develop it? Or tell the customers, no, we don't have it, but we make sure we have it in the next six or three months. How do you approach this problem? <laughs> There's actually a very funny story about that. It goes back a, a couple of years ago. We did an interview for some entrepreneurship piece and my partner talked about this model about how you spend a lot of time on customer discovery, you figure out what customers want, and then we say, we're going to do this. So how many things have you told us that you guys have that you actually don't have? We said, well, it's not that. It says we're doing this in collaboration with you. And I think that's really important. We're very big believers on constant agility and constant customer engagement, customer development of what we do, especially because it's on the bleeding edge. The other thing that characterizes our business, and this has become really apparent to us now, is we have two personas in our company, in our customer base. One is the business lead who says, I need to pass all of the privacy and security expectations so that I can sell. And the other is the technical lead who says, I need to deploy servers. And MedStack's the tool to help me do that. And their needs and asks aren't always completely aligned, nor is their understanding of each other. And so that's actually something we've had to learn how to navigate in our scripts and our customer experience. And we get excitement from one and we get some hesitation from the other and it goes, goes back and forth. And I think it's what makes B2B businesses so interesting that, that are very different than B2C businesses. So you guys been around for some time and I'm wondering, was there as a moment when you realize that whatever you're building, it's actually what you want to build? You know, you don't need to pivot. You got a customer green light. Oh yes, this is what we need. This is what the industries need. Tell me about it. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of ways you can measure success in the business, whether it's your employees are satisfied, whether you get media coverage, whether you raise funding or that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's the product value that really matters more than anything else. And for us, it was hearing back from our customers that they had managed to make a sale with a big healthcare entity. So a hospital, insurance company, public health organization, pharma network, employer. And they said, we did it because you helped us pass our privacy and security review. And when you get that green light from somebody you talk to in the industry and you say, this is what we do. And they kind of go, I never thought it could be done that way. Not from our customers, but from our customers which is the, mm. the, those are the entities I'm actually most interested in because our customers come to us and go, I trust you understand who I'm going to be selling to better than I do. And when we can prove that's true, that's really magical. And it was when we started getting some of those, we have a whole record of all of the security reviews we've done. They're not our customers, but they're our customers' customers. And that's a pretty impressive list. We go through two or three of these a month and that's the validation 
for us. And it culminated with a pretty big honor for our company, which is we won MedTech Breakthroughs Choice Cybersecurity Solution in Healthcare last year. If you will go back, do something else or different for the company, what would you change eight years ago and do it differently? I think the biggest thing is we suffered a pretty big kind of disruptive innovation problem. So something I referred to a little bit a while ago, the first version of our product was manual in the way that we implemented it, which was great because we didn't invest too much in product development before we determined customer value. We got to revenue quickly, but then the problem was we had to completely change the product to build something that would scale. And we had to build the new product while servicing our existing market at the same time. That was very difficult. I wish we'd done it sooner. I don't know if there would have been a mechanism to do that. It worked out, but it, it took us a while. And so that would probably be the one thing that I would think about. As a founder, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff happening. Yes. And I'm sure there's a bad moment sometimes and hard moment sometimes. On a personal level, what do you do to kind of get back the energy, get back on the horse? If it's a meditation, if it's running, family, tell us some of your things that helping you. <laughs> you named all three. It's a really tough business we're in. We're selling to early stage pre-revenue customers in the world's hardest industries. There's lots that's really difficult about that. But I continually remind myself why they're taking the risk. And I'm like, how can I do any less than step up to support them? But for me, it's the importance of balance that allows me to think evenly. We're really big believers of balance in our company. I have to give credit to Simon for that because he really pushed that in our in our organization. It's really important to him. And when people need time, we give them time. People need balance, we give them balance. For me, it's my family is obviously the big inspiration for me. Exercise, music is a, is a big part of my life and actually of a bunch of people on my team as well, which is really cool. And we learn to respect that amongst each other. We all know each other in terms of our lives outside of work as well. And we know how it feeds how we make decisions within the, within the business. We're going to transition to something I call a dark side, when we share stories of stuff that didn't work as we expected. And definitely don't mention any names. It's a public information. But sure. please share some stories that didn't work as you expected. Maybe lesson learned from there. Maybe no lesson learned just was something that was not as good as you expected it to be. It's a lot. So I have to figure out which one I want to talk about first. But probably the biggest thing is there's an element to the way that our product works that is quite daring and comes with it some risk of unknowns just by its own nature, which is we're trying to create some kind of a, a standardization layer that says, if you run with our platform, then there's a bunch of security things that are taken care of. But in so doing, we're inserting ourselves architecturally between the application and the cloud. And so we're then responsible, not only for the security, that part we can manage, but also the operations of the cloud. And what we've learned is that's very complicated because our customers are not only concerned with making sure that their applications are secure and privacy compliant, but that they're running as well. And so things like performance impacts or or outages or stoppages or that kind of thing, we end up becoming in the forefront of that and we have to manage that for our customers. I think we'd underestimated how complicated that is. We've done a great job of it and continue to make it a big priority for what we do. But it's tough. And and I think, you know, we take on some hard problems that would have been hard problems for our customers too, which I think is a good thing. I think that requires a lot of a lot of focus that that is pretty big for a small team like us. And so planning for that and also things like managing product roadmap when you might have unexpected things that we have to drop and support because there are customers we got to keep them running. Is a, is a constant sort of ask about how we properly optimize for that kind of thing. 
it comes with being an infrastructure platform company. Thank you. I guess last question is, if you can recommend to someone that starts the company today, tomorrow, maybe more on a technical person, product person, what would you recommend? If we're, yeah, it's the same advice I gave everybody, which is the technology is not the magic, it's the enabler. And so the issue with having a very elegant technical kind of innovation idea is that you become enamored by it. But you have to remember, what are your customers value? What do they care about? And this is what we, I'm constantly talking about with my team. In fact, we're all going to be together next week to talk about some of this stuff. And I'm like, our customers only care about one thing, which is they have to be able to sell their product so they can deliver value to healthcare. And that's what we have to focus on. Yes, part of that is delivering security, but they don't understand the security. They just trust that we have it in place. So you have to understand the buying motivation of your customers. Spend time figuring that out. Spend extra time on that, figuring that out than you would have expected and put aside any assumptions about what the thing is before you understand the who and what they're trying to do. The very smart advice. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank really you, enjoyed Kevin. the episode and really enjoyed the talk. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much for listening. See you in the next episode. All right. Take care.